So, uh, Karis is away uh, for the next couple of days. He is a Bible teacher at Calvary Christian School, and he has a retreat that he's at right now. So, uh, he cannot be here, so he asked me to fill in for him uh, in his absence. So, here I am. <laughs> But it's good to be with you guys tonight. I'm excited to, uh, to kind of get into some of this tonight with you. Um, I am the <coughs> youth director at, uh, at the Allenwood Church, which is right next to Wall. It's a little tiny little, little town there. Um, so I'm used to teaching middle school students, so uh, you'll probably see some of that tonight. Um, you know, I got to stop using lit and all that, you know, <laughs> totally, like, uh, literally, you know. I got to try and knock that down for all of you. But... Uh, yeah, it's lit. We'll do our best, all right? So, uh, tonight we're going to be continuing um, what we're going through with our uh, kingdom attributes. So tonight we're going to be talking about humility. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, our main text tonight is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. So I'll give you guys a second to get there. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of the NASB because it fits where I'm trying to go a little bit better, but it still says the same thing pretty much in the New King James. Um, so let's see where we're at here. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. <clears throat> Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So this week has been a very interesting week for me, um, specifically today. Um, <clears throat> probably about two months ago, uh, work started to become very challenging just in many different ways that uh, I wasn't anticipating. Um, they haven't really been going the way that I would have hoped that they would be going at this point. It's just some things haven't really happened that I feel should have happened and realistically should have happened. <laughs> but that's such is life, right? Um, but I found myself being completely done and just being burnt out on it and just saying, I'm a warehouse manager and I do all the purchasing and all that stuff like that. So I have a lot of people coming at me every day like, hey, get me this. You need to get me that and that kind of thing. So it's, it's easy to get burnt out when there's never a thank you or anything like that. And that's not why we do it because we got to pay our bills, obviously. But it's easy to get burnt out in that. But I was at this point where I was completely frustrated and I was just mm, ready to just like, okay, I'm out. I'm out of here. You guys figure it out. You got it. Whatever. It's okay. Um, so that's where I was. And I began to kind of develop this sense of, all right, well, um, I've done what I can do and that's good enough and that's it. And I just slowly this sense of pride kind of started to build in me and I didn't really realize that it was even happening. Um, so my pastor, who is probably one of my best friends, um, I've known him for about 10 years. Um, we were working on something at, um, at my home church where I'm at and <clears throat> he literally said to me, something's not right. You're not you. What's going on? Um, and we have that kind of relationship where we can do that, you know, where we can call each other and say, hey, something's up. What's going on? And so he, he literally said to me, I explained to him the situation of just being done where I was at. And I was like, the Lord just 
is not using me there anymore and like I just feel like I'm ready to go and like on to the next thing at this point. So he, having been in this exact situation, asked me to lean into what God was really, if God was really justifying those feelings in my life um, and if those feelings were actually legitimate. So I did. Um, man, if you ever want to get a treasure trove from God, ask him if your feelings are legitimate. <laughs> uh, probably not going to be the answer that you would have hoped. Um, so my feelings of pride uh, were my way of walking away from the situation and not having to be present at work. So I was just sort of like, you know, filling out my eight hours, doing my thing, and just not really being present there. I wasn't really allowing the Lord to use me um, because I thought he was done with me there. And I thought that I was done there. Um, but as he so graciously reveals me, uh, Jim, I'm not done with you there. I'm not done with you. I still have plans and purposes laid out for you. Uh, even though you think you're finished, uh, that's your pride telling you that. <laughs> and you're not. I still have much more there for you. Um, my heart is for you to not, well, this is God. God's heart for me was to not harden my heart um, and become prideful in those things. Um, but I did. And obviously that created boundaries for me. That created walls that I couldn't bust out of. So I had to dig into that. And I did some serious soul searching over the past week. And um, man, that was a gut check. <laughs> that was a serious gut check. Um, but also today... Uh, I got to have a conversation with the install manager about Jesus. I actually got to have a conversation with one of those, hey, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn. I install, install stuff. That's what I do. I'm a Catholic. And, you know, this is how we do things. You know, I, I go to church. You know, I drop off my kid at school. And that's literally what he sounds like. Uh, so a little improv there. Um, I know you all needed that, literally. Um, but it was a really good reminder that even if we don't see pride in our lives, it is so easy for it to creep in. It's so easy to have that knock us off the path that the Lord has for us. And it's so easy to become distracted by that, that we lose sight of what we're actually there for, right? It was honestly a breath of fresh air though, because I really, really needed that. I was like, Lord, what do you have me here for? And it took a whole lot of humbling and a, and a good friend calling me out, you know. But I'm grateful for that, that he did, right? Um, so let's hop into our text a little bit here. It says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another and love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace. So let's get into a little bit of physical context here. Uh, Paul is writing this while he's in prison. That stinks. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'd imagine uh, prison's not a great place to practice humility. Uh, I've never been, and I hope to never be. So hopefully I'll never be able to tell you if it is a good place to practice humility. But let's just say for sake of argument, it's not the best place to practice humility. Um, Humility in a place like that would likely, likely get you in a vastly worse position and, and place than, you know, pride would. Because, you know, it's mostly about being a mm, big man kind of thing, you know? Like, not, you know, trying to be humble in, in that situation. Um, but 
prison tends to strip you down to who you really are. Uh, there's no distractions left. Uh, one thing that's very interesting about Paul's stay in this prison is that in Philippians uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 12 and 13, <clears throat> says this. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. So if you know anything about the palace guard, which I honestly didn't know a whole lot until I was started looking into this. Uh, the palace guard or the praetorian guard, as they were known, uh, they were basically like the SEAL Team 6 of the day. They were uh, the Green Berets, you know, the, the uh, Navy SEALs. They were the best of the best. The, it was said that the Roman government didn't fear a coup from anybody except <laughs> the Praetorian Guard. So if that gives you any kind of caliber of how good they are, they're high up there. They're real legit. Um, <clears throat> But he's saying in Philippians that he actually was able to share the gospel with each one of these people. Okay, maybe it wasn't each one, but it was most of them. That's an incredible feat. But the traction of Paul's message depended heavily on his actions. Nobody would believe that he was a lover of Jesus as if he was a prideful and arrogant man who was constantly saying how great he was. Is that gonna, <laughs> that's not going to get anybody to believe your message of saying... Jesus is great when you're saying, I'm great. That doesn't really work, right? Paul knew that his humility counted. That the success or downfall of where God had him at the moment in his situation, in his life, and how he carried himself uh, mattered greatly at that moment in time to reach the prison guards <clears throat> and weighed heavily on him, on how he conducted himself, right? How we conduct ourselves matters, guys. If we're, if we're constantly in this position of saying, wow, look at me, I did this, I did that. I don't know about you, but I don't really like hanging out with those people. <laughs> I don't really want to always hear about what you've done and you know how great you are and everything like that. I could handle it a little bit, but for the most part, it's not um, one of those kind of things that draws me into people, right? <clears throat> um, humility is able to foster community. Being in community with prideful people is super duper difficult. Uh, they tend to make the group adapt to their needs instead of being flexible and seeing the needs of the group as a whole, right? Too often um, in those situations, uh, the pride of that one person and who's trying to be in community with other people and is obviously not doing so great at it, um, it creates divisions and strife in those relationships because they're all about themselves, right? They're not really thinking about the rest of the group. Um, I can tell you for sure that in marriage, that does not work well at all. <laughs> it will land you flat on your butt every single time uh, because you have to conduct yourselves when you're married as a team, right? I know a lot of you aren't married here, but uh, I get, get to be, to M, and I forgot my ring tonight, so, you know, that's fun. Uh, but I am married, so it's all good. Totally married. <laughs> um, it'll, it will definitely expose a lot of your pride and a lot of the lack of humility in you <laughs> in your marriage. <laughs> but that's how God works in those things. He uses other people and our spouses to actually draw those things out of us and show us, hey, I've got more for you here. I've got more for you in this area of your life. Um, humility tends to draw people in and pride pushes them away. 
So that kind of sets the stage for, for what exactly we're dealing with here, right? I don't know about you, but humility is rarely the natural desire of my heart. It's not really what I tend to drift towards. So I just like a river that has current, our hearts uh, <clears throat> tend to drift from humility and towards pride, right? I don't know many people who drift towards humility. <laughs> I haven't met many. Um, in Philippians, uh, back to Philippians again, chapter two, uh, verses six through eight, it says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Paul implores the church at Philippi that humility is more than just an admirable trait. It's actually crucial to our calling in this life. We cannot be ambassadors of Christ with the main focus on ourselves and how great we are. <clears throat> our calling by which we are called back in Ephesians uh, depends on this in a major way. <clears throat> in every area of our lives, uh, whether that be professionally uh, or with our family, in our marriages, or with our friends. That calling with which you are called isn't just, you know, your, how you make your money or the things that you do um, because, you know, you want to do them. Um, these are the things that actually um, conduct our everyday business. Like, th that calling with which you are called is all-encompassing in your whole life, guys. If we're missing that, we're missing a huge part of where we could be going towards because we're not able to be used by God. A humble man or a humble woman isn't usually the first pick of God to be used in places, right? <clears throat> Arrogance never attracts people to Christ, unfortunately. I wish it did because we would all have a whole lot more Christians cruising around <laughs> if it did, right? <laughs> but I haven't seen it yet where it really draws people into God, right? There's something really mysterious about humility. It's something that's really countercultural to the way that uh, the world seems to be going these days. And it's very attractive to people. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, whenever I see somebody who's super humble, it always makes me wonder what's going on in their life. Like, why are they that way? Is there something like, are they Christians? Are they not? Like, how, why are you super humble? It doesn't really make sense, right? It makes people question makes people ask good questions, actually. <clears throat> In Jeremiah 29, uh, verses 23 and 24, it says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Glory not in our possessions or abilities, but in the fact that we are known by God and that we are able to know God. Being Knowing somebody and being known by them are two of the best attributes that we could possibly pursue after. Like, obviously, Emily... I'm known by Emily because, you know, I live with her on a 365 basis. I don't, there's no, you know, 
<laughs> getaway in, in Florida in the Keys somewhere that I can go to. <laughs> like, it's, that's not really how marriage works. Um, if, if I ever have that, I would probably just live down there with her. That'd be awesome. But uh, being known by somebody is one of the most beautiful things and probably one of the most challenging things you'll ever encounter in your life. Because that person is able to call you on things that you don't want to be called on. <laughs> this happens all the time between both of us. She's like, hey, what's going on here? What's going on? You know, you seem to be a little bit, you know, this isn't really how it should be. That's a beautiful thing, guys. It really is. Um, <clears throat> you are known by God. Just think about that for a second. Um, that should change how we view ourselves and also how we view God. He wants to know you. Like, he wants to, like, rejoice in that relationship with you. <laughs> That's crazy. It's absolutely wild. And then next, the God who wants to know us and who wants to be in relationship with us, we see in John chapter 13 that Jesus washes the disciples' feet. In chapter uh, 13, verses 4 through 8, it says, Jesus rose from supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. And he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What am I going... What I'm, wow, okay. What, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus said to him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. The savior and creator of the world is washing his disciples' feet. The task given to servants, slaves even, Jesus is doing. This is like the lowest of the low. It's harder to scrape the barrel more so, the bottom of the barrel, than having to wash people's feet that walked on dirty, nasty roads that probably had donkey poop all over it and stuff. It's not, it's not an admirable thing that people want to do. But there's Jesus. There's Jesus washing his disciples' feet. All to prove a point, that he loved them beyond the difficulty and the misery that that probably was. If that doesn't paint a picture of how much humility matters to Jesus and to our Lord, I don't know what can. Like, it doesn't get any worse than that. Even the death on the cross, like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine a worse way to go out. Like, <laughs> that's terrible, you know? Jesus wasn't after pride. <clears throat> In anything. Jesus could have had all the fame and notoriety, but chose to spend time in the wilderness with God the Father because he knew that that was going <clears throat> to further his ministry. He knew that that was going to attract more souls if he could be able to have a greater understanding of his Heavenly Father. Our calling and conduct should be in balance. Uh, as we see in, let's see. Yes, in Ephesians at the end, here we go, of verse 1 here. It says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. 
the word worthy here in the Greek means of equal weight. <clears throat> it's interesting. I don't know Greek. I just found that one of my commentaries. That makes me sound a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> but I always love to throw that one in there and see what happens. You know, it's good. Um, <clears throat> so our calling and conduct should be balanced, running parallel, basically, with each other, right? If I could flip my page, that'd be great. D.L. Moody was one of the most famous evangelists in the world in the 1800s. People came from around the world to attend his Bible conferences in Northfield, Massachusetts. One year, a large group of pastors from Europe were among the attendees. They were given rooms in the dormitory of the Bible school. As was the custom in Europe, the men put their shoes outside the door of their room expecting them to be cleaned and polished by their servants during the night. Of, co- of course, there were no servants in the American dorm. But as Moody was walking through the halls and praying for his guests, he saw the shoes and realized what had happened. <clears throat> he mentioned the problem to a few of his students, but none of them offered to help. Without another word, the great evangelist gathered up the shoes, took them back to his own room, where he began to clean and polish each pair. Moody told no one what he had done. A friend interrupted him in the middle of the shining, of shining the shoes, and helped him finish the task. And he later told the story of what had transpired that night. Despite the praise and fame he received because of God's blessing and his life and ministry, Moody remained humble. I don't know about you. But that's probably not where a lot of us would find ourselves that night. It's been a long day. I'm tired. I don't want to go scrub a bunch of shoes and shine them. I don't want to do that. I got better things. I'm a great evangelist. I don't need to do that. It's not what he did. He knew that whether or not he got credit for that, and my guess is that he wasn't looking for credit in that, that that sent a greater message to the people who wore those shoes than to anything. And even if they never knew that, he knew that he did what honored the Lord in that. It's beautiful. Moody's conduct and calling were in balance. His beliefs and actions ran parallel with each other. If you want to pursue God on a deeper level, humility will be required of you. I can promise you that. A prideful Christian will quickly become a useless Christian in the kingdom of God, numb to the calling and the works which he's laid out for us. You know who was numb to the calling and the works that he laid out for me? For two months, this guy, this guy. What's awesome about all this, though, is that we get a choice. We have the choice every day when our feet hit the ground of who we serve, humility or pride, every single day. blank page cool think about that as we go through our weeks think about that as we go through the things that we struggle and grumble through 
as we move through life on the daily, remember that you have a choice, that the natural bent of your soul will drift towards pride and will drift away from the things that require humility, but that the Lord has shown us and called us into into humility. Let's pray.